All right, here we are in MEPCAST. MEPCAST is our series of uh, brief videos, about 10 minutes, where we discuss various topics which we hope will be of interest to you. And today it is an honor and a pleasure to have with us Daniel Swamenthal. Daniel is a political economist, a political scientist, a political economist. He's a specialist in international relations and international communication and also has an LLM in European law. And he is currently the director of the AJC Transatlantic Institute here in Brussels. Uh, before that, um, writing the editorial page and the op-ed, an op-ed editor in the Wall Street Journal in Europe. I'm not going to spend the whole time going through your CV. It is really an honor and a pleasure. We know each other because I am the vice chair of the Transatlantic Friends of Israel group here at the European Parliament. Recently have been to Israel together on an excellent trip. And we are here today to discuss issues related to the relationship between Israel and the European Union and uh, the Parliament. And first of all, if we could get started, with um, a little bit about AJC. Could you just tell us a little bit about AJC? I mean, I've been familiar with your work for years, but most people aren't. So give us a little bit of, of AJC. What, what are your priorities? What do you stand for? Right. Well, thank you very much for having me on your show. It's a, it's a, it's a real pleasure and honor. Uh, AJC, the American Jewish Committee, um, is, as the name suggests, an American Jewish organization headquartered in New York. Uh, we have 22 offices in the United States. Um, but, as you can see, we are also very uh, transatlantic, very European. Uh, in addition to Brussels, we have offices in Paris, in Berlin, Warsaw, and, and other European countries. We are sometimes have been uh, um, likened to the State Department of the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. we, um, are, we advocate for strong transatlantic relations. We are also a very pro-European, pro-EU. Um, uh, organization, uh, which is um, not necessarily very common in the United States. And of course, we care very deeply about um, the security of the state of Israel um, and the Jewish people, um, but also uh, for democracy and human rights uh, around the world. Um, and this is what we're trying to do here in, uh, in our office in Brussels, where we are particularly working on transatlantic relations, but also stronger EU-Israel relations and combating um, radicalization, um, both uh, on the political far right, political far left, but also Islamic radicalization and anti-Semitism. These are some of our topics here. Right. Well, let, let me just say that, I mean, you're a nonpartisan organization and this group uh, is a group with, with MEPs from all of the political parties. We've done a number of events here some of them focusing on, on security. So let me just, we don't have a lot of time, so I'd just like to highlight on a couple of issues. So um, security being one of the top priorities, uh, what about the way we treat Hezbollah here at, in, in the European Parliament and here in Europe? I mean, um, the United States, Canada, uh, the United Kingdom, right, have all recognized right. Hezbollah as a terrorist organization. They don't make the separation that we make here between the military and the political. There's a lot of arguments that say that this is, you know, separating them out is not the right thing to do. This is a discussion here in Parliament. My personal position, as you know, is very clear that we need to have a unified approach to this. Mm -hmm. But this, could you, could you just explain to us why it's so important and why there is, in fact, 
no real difference between right. what they're doing. Right. So following the 2012 uh, suicide attack carried out by Hezbollah in, in Bulga Bulgaria, which killed six people, right. the EU, um, after one year of deliberations, decided to ban the so-called military wing. It, it created a, in the end, false distinction between so-called military and political arms of this organization, which, by the way, Hezbollah itself dismisses as uh, um, not, uh, not correct. They consider themselves as one organization, uh, which they are. As a result of this false distinction, um, the EU sanction mechanism is not really in full force against Hezbollah, which can still, among other things, um, collect money, a lot of money, actually, in Europe. In, the, in Germany alone, we know, because of the German security services, which mm -hmm. keeps a close eye on it, has more than 1,000 Hezbollah uh, uh, followers. They are spreading their violent, uh, radical, and often anti-Semitic ideology here in Europe. But, of course, um, they are um, uh, also uh, spreading violence and terror and murder in the region itself. Hezbollah is a close ally of the murderous Assad regime, is complicit in horrendous war crimes that have been carried out in, in Syria, which ultimately has led also to the re refugee crisis that has hit uh, Europe. It is a strangling Le Lebanon, and we see now the people of Lebanon rising up uh, against this, specifically naming uh, Hezbollah as uh, the main culprit of their uh, political uh, frustration, of their uh, corruption and, and political violence. And, and in some instances using their own population as human shields. Absolutely. Correct? Absolutely. I mean, Hezbo Hezbollah has, after the 2006 war against Israel, has uh, rearmed to the teeth. It has now uh, some 150,000 missiles, which is a violation of a European French sponsored UN resolution. And it is hiding these missiles among its own civilian population, which is a war crime in and of itself. And it's, of course, targeting Israel's civilian population. So here it is something where we urge the EU, I mean, it's, 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 it's a, to, to make this distinction means to. Uh, basically abandon the people of Lebanon who wants finally freedom. It is to abandon the people of Syria who have been suffering under Hezbollah. And it is also to abandon our own values, uh, because we say that as the EU, we, we stand for human rights and democracy we and do. against the fight and for terrorism. We, we yeah. do, but here uh, we are failing. And ultimately, um, it is not in, uh, also not in our, it's not only a question of values, it's also against our own very interest because by failing to really put Hezbollah on notice, we are encouraging them uh, to, uh, to carry out more terrorist attacks and perhaps start another war with Israel, which would be devastating for both countries. Well, um, as you know, the MEPs who are in the transatlantic Friends of Israel have raised this concern, and I'm sure will continue to do so, as well as generally ask the new commission to follow a very positive agenda in our relationship with Israel, the country with which we have long-standing ties and common values and common concerns and common issues. Um, and I, I come to your relationship with my country, Greece, uh, a relationship which has been cultivated for many years. Um, in fact, we've known each other since I was in Greek politics. And um, now we've, we have this new development. We have the, the East Med Pipeline, an agreement which we signed, our governments signed in Athens less than a month ago. Um, it's very important for us to have these relationships in the region because, as you know, 
lately, Turkey has really escalated its uh, challenges. They've signed this um, memorandum with uh, the Libyan government, which everybody has recognized is null and void according to international law. It ignores the fact that there's Greek islands in the area. Um, I know the situation in Libya is very complicated, mm. and we have called on Mr. Burrell and on um, the parliament and on the e European Union to, in its discussions with Libya, to recognize this and right. state this very clearly that this is um, against international law. But Israel has been very supportive of, uh, of Greece in these declarations. You understand what it means. Um, so could you give us a little bit of insight of, of what this means, how you see the collaboration, not just with, with, with Greece, but with Egypt, with Italy, in the region, and what this means for the stability of the mm. region and for peace and for Europe and how Europe should treat this right. collaboration? Um, this new friendship, um, which you know took about two and a half thousand years to really come to fruition, <laughs> it should have come about much, much sooner, but we are very happy that it is now a reality. I think it's a game changer. Um, and we ain't seen nothing yet, as Ronald Reagan used to say. I think, I mean, the sky is the limit, but it is already really transforming the region. It's definitely the best news out of this troubled region uh, we've heard, uh, we've, uh, has, we've, we've been witnessing. I mean, the, the Hellenic, Israeli, so it's not just Greece, but also Cyprus, mm -hmm. Israel. Um, and then bringing in Egypt, Italy, and through that also the um, EU as such. Uh, this is a win-win-win situation for everybody involved. Uh, it will bring about economic opportunities. Uh, it will bring energy security. Um, and we, will, we, we are already seeing also a, a military strategic realignment between, uh, between Israel and Greece and, and, and Cyprus that is of you know, mutual benefit, as we are yes. witnessing now. Imagine what Turkey would be doing, uh, sure, perhaps without. already, yeah. without knowing that Israel is uh, a partner for Greece and Cyprus. I think their, uh, their um, military adventurism would be even more outrageous than we are seeing, uh, seeing now. And, and, and of course, Greece and, and Cyprus are providing tremendous military benefits uh, for Israel in right. terms of training and, 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 and cooperation. So um, I, I think this is really the nucleus for something that in, in, in 10, 20 years, we probably can't even imagine in, in what other areas these countries and, uh, and, and, and those countries of goodwill around them mm -hmm. uh, can do and really help transform the entire region. Well, I hope that because this is, a, this is what, what Europe calls a project of common interest for Europe. So Europe recognizes its significance. So I right. hope that it can also be a catalyst for change. I was very disappointed as a European to see in Israel that you know the, the European Union doesn't have the most positive connotations. Um, whether that's justified or not, and obviously to some extent it is, what we want is for it to change. So Absolutely. hopefully that this can be a catalyst for a, a better relationship. So I'll, I'll end this discussion with the hopes that we'll have more, because I know there'll be lots of issues it's that we can talk about, um, by, by talking a little bit about the Holocaust remembrance. Um, on January 23rd, is, it's the Fifth World Holocaust Forum, right, entitled mm -hmm. Remembering the Holocaust, Fighting Anti-Semitism. Um, 
this coincides with the 75th anniversary of the liberation of the Nazi concentration camp at Auschwitz, and the parliament is doing its own uh, session dedicated to Holocaust remembrance. Right. I just want you to close with, uh, with the, I'll be participating in that discussion, so you'll hear my thoughts then, but in the time we have left, I would like you, please, to tell us why it is so important to make sure that we remember mm. this as time goes by. Well, um, this is obviously the darkest chapter of European history, and we need to remember it. We need to remember it um, as also uh, to, as a service of dignity to, to the victims. And as we now know, uh, this is the 75th anniversary. The Holocaust survivors are uh, gradually dying. This will be one of the few Holocaust commemorations where we will still have witnesses old enough mm -hmm. to uh, recount uh, what has happened. And um, it is also important, I think, as a, as a warning, obviously, to us today, because just looking back and commemorating that, that Jews is not enough, particularly as we are living in, a, in an era of rising anti-Semitism. I think it is important to understand that um, not just the Holocaust, but all genocides that have happened in, uh, in human history never came out of the blue. They were always pre-announced. Um, and uh, it is therefore shocking to me that when today, for instance, we just talked about Hezbollah, mm -hmm. uh, the people who stand behind Hezbollah is the Iranian regime, right. who openly call for the destruction of Israel. And uh, you don't even hear any reaction anymore from Europeans, or they will dismiss it as just rhetoric. Uh, well, uh, as I said, the same rhetoric was heard before. There is no genocide without preparing the people right. to carry this out. So we also must learn not to simply dismiss these kinds of threats, but to, we have the obligation to take them, to take them seriously. Um, and that's also why the State of Israel exists uh, um, uh, as, a, as a safe haven for, uh, for the Jewish people uh, and never to be unarmed again. Well, we here at Parliament will try and do our part next week. So thank you so very much for this discussion, really. Um, we've had many interesting discussions. I hope that people who watch this series on my social media will find it interesting. And uh, I'm sure they'll send us to invite you again so you can tell us even more things about this exciting relationship. Thank you very much. Thank, thank, you. thank you. I appreciate thank it, you. Daniel.